Hi guys, uh, it's Dan here, um, and as John has said, yeah, it's actually my um, last talk at KXC, which is quite strange, a little sad, um, but I'm excited to be closing out this series um, called Reconciled. So we've been going through that the last few weeks, hopefully you've, uh, many of you will have tuned in. We're on talk number five, it's the last one. Um, we've been asking a series of questions so that we can find out what it means for us to be reconciled to God and to each other. And, and we found out that we need to, in order to do that, we need to lay aside um, prejudice, power, um, pride and religion. And today we're on this last question. We're asking the question, who is invited? And many of you may have a good guess at the answer, but we're going to um, camp out in uh, Luke chapter 14 um, and get our heads around this story that Jesus tells to explain it as a parable of the great banquet. It's worth saying that I've wrote banquet a lot of times in my notes for this. And uh, thanks to Robin Ferris, I have no idea whether it's spelt with a Q or a K in the middle. Um, type both of those in Google and you'll find his um, brilliant project that he started. So, a bit of background then. So Jesus is, in, in this story, he's on his way to uh, the house of a, a Pharisee that's going to host him for lunch. Um, and, it's, and it's the Sabbath. Um, and they're going to get him around, they're going to grill him, they're going to ask him a load of theological questions, which is commonplace in that time. You're, a rabbi passes through a village, you're like, I want that guy at my house for dinner, I'm going to ask him a whole load of questions. Um, so that's what they're doing. And, and actually, they don't get quite around to grilling him because he actually confronts them on three big things before they even have a chance to do it. Um, one of those is before he's even got in the front door. So there's this guy, and he's probably positioned there by the Pharisees. Um, and this man's suffering with um, abnormal swelling, which apparently was common back then. Um, but, but he's there and, and the Pharisees are like, is this guy, Jesus the healer, is he going to heal this man? And of course, Jesus the rebel, he just cracks on and he does it, doesn't he? He heals him, he um, sends him on his way. And then what does he say? He sort of turns around to the group that are gathered in, in verse 5 of chapter 14. He says, Look, guys, if one of you has a son or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull him out? And everyone's a bit like, oh, a bit confrontational. But um, yeah, fair point. It says they had nothing to say. So um, there's that episode over and they all start sort of jostling through the door into the main living room. And what they're trying to do, they're trying to push past each other to get the prime seat. So the seats next to the host at the top of the table. And as they're all doing this, Jesus kind of comes in with his next challenge. And um, it's, it's verse 8 to 11, but I'll paraphrase it. He basically says, look, guys, if you're trying to get the best seat, the worst thing that can happen is someone's going to come tap you on the shoulder and say, you're not really big enough, respected enough, close enough to the inner circle to sit there. Actually, can you just move down a little bit? And actually, it's much better to go sit at the other end of the table. The only thing that can happen to you then is that you can be promoted. Come on, you're more friends with us than that. Come and sit next to the host. And Jesus lands with this line. He says that um, if you exalt yourself, you're going to be humbled. Um, but actually, if you humble yourself, you're going to be exalted. And this is the second episode. And now it's actually getting a bit tense, the atmosphere in the room. Um, and, and a few of them, I'm sure, will have uh, re-sorted out their seating. They may have shuffled awkwardly back to the other end of the table. And then Jesus takes his seat. I'm not sure where he sat, but he looks around and he sort of looks at everybody else in the room. And um, you need to know that in that culture, the, the, the thing to do was to invite those that were well-respected and well-to-do and could honour you and could invite you back to their house. 
But what's actually happened, um, Jesus sort of points out, he says uh, in verse 12, Jesus said to his host, look, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbours. Um, if you do, they may in fact be, uh, they um, will repay you. They'll just repay the favour. But actually, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind, and then you will be blessed. And then it's now super awkward because you've got all these people and they're, they're hearing what Jesus is saying and they're sort of looking around the room and they're like the lame, the crippled, uh, the poor and the blind. They're, they're not actually here. And to understand this tension a bit better, this whole idea of the banquet, we can, we can zoom back a few hundred years to, to Isaiah. So um, Isaiah writes, in, he writes this prophecy, and it's in chapter six, 26 sorry, of Isaiah, you can go look it up. Um, and there's this key line in there when he says, Yahweh of hosts will make for all peoples a rich feast. And the, and the key thing there is it's for all peoples. Um, and it goes on to sport, talk about how this will be a day at the, at the end of days when um, God will, will host humanity and, and the tears that humanity have had will be washed away, the pain will go and it will be this glorious day of salvation, but it's for all peoples. And over the centuries, this vision had been corrupted. So many different Jews interpreted this many different ways, but two main schools of thought. One was that um, actually what would happen is the Gentiles, the non-Jews, they would actually be exterminated. Not quite sure how, but then God would come and he'd have this great feast with the Jews only. There's another school of thought that thought um, the, the Messiah would come. The Messiah would host this banquet, but what he would do is um, he would gather the, um, the perfect, um, intelligent men um, Jewish men and he'd gather them and he'd line them up um, yeah he'd assemble them in rank order and they'd get a seat at the table almost like what they were up to in this one here they're trying to sit next to the host um, so here we can see that like these this group of Jews understood this amazing banquet that had been promised to exclude not only the Jews but to also exclude any Jews that weren't perfect contrast this with Jesus's words to this party He's like, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind, those that can't repay you. So he's openly critiqued their vision and there's this palatable tension in the room. Some of them, I'm sure, would have been um, just head down trying to uh, get through their dinner because it's so awkward. Um, there may have been others sort of at the back of the room and they're actually in thriving off the awkwardness in the room. But I mean, many would have been offended. And there's this one brave soul and he pipes up with a sort of pious icebreaker. And, and, and he says in, in verse 15, he says, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. What's he really saying? He's saying, I mean, we're all sort of good folks, aren't we? And that banquet, I mean, it's going to be beautiful. And I really hope that, you know, us worthy folk will make the cut and we'll get to enjoy that final day at this beautiful banquet. And, and the host, I imagine, is eyeing up Jesus' face and Jesus' face tells a picture. Like, you don't get it, do you? You just don't get it. And the host's like, what is he going to say now? Can't he just sit there quietly for a minute and just enjoy the snacks that I've laid out? But he doesn't, does he? Jesus launches into a story. So let's run through this story. It starts in verse uh, 16 of chapter 4. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. 
At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. So you need to know that in that culture, the invite system without WhatsApp and without doodle polls worked a little bit differently. Um, there would have been two rounds of invites. First one would have been a few days or even weeks before and the servant of the master would have gone out across the village and he'd have um, popped round to everyone's house and he'd say, we're hosting this banquet, can you come? We'd love you to be there. And, and you could say yes or no, but if you said yes, you were obliged to turn up when it happened. Because what then happened was, in the run-up few days before him, even on the day, um, they would have killed an animal for the feast that they were hosting. Um, they, I read one place that they would have killed a, a chicken or a duck or a kid. That's a baby goat, not a <laughs> child. And, um, or a sheep or even a calf. So depending on how many yeses they get, they'd kill this, this animal. They'd prepare it on the day. They'd spend a long day preparing this banquet. And then in late afternoon, you'd get invite number two. Invite number two was the servant rocking up to the house. These people that had already come, they were obliged to come. They'd already accepted. Um, and they're just waiting for the food to be ready. And that, and that person would say something like, come, uh, the hour has come, the dinner is ready. So what's Jesus saying? He's introed the story of this. He's saying that in his ministry, the hour of the messianic banquet has dawned. Actually, it's all been prepared. The invitations are, have gone out. And um, it's the time now for those that have been invited to come and enjoy the feast. What did he say so much? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. But Jesus isn't just saying it, is it? He's actually living it out because he's constantly eating and drinking and partying with people. But who's he doing it with? It's the poor, it's the lame, it's the crippled, it's the blind. And, and go back to this room, the folks in there are starting to do the maths, aren't they? They're sort of saying Jesus is insinuating that this banquet is here, it's now, it's happening in our midst. And somehow he's pivotal to it, but everybody that he's hanging out with are the people that we've rejected. And there's tension. They're like, what did he say to us last week? The tax collectors and the prostitutes are going in to the kingdom of God ahead of you. They're starting to be fuming thing is, Jesus' message and his lifestyle, it communicated that his kingdom, his new vision for humanity was happening now, but it was also open to everybody. No one was excluded. And, and maybe you're watching this service and, and you find that sort of hard to hear. Maybe in a sense you've snuck in the back or you're on the back, virtual back pew and um, yeah, you're not convinced that God's kingdom, that, th that this church even is for you. Um, maybe actually you've been around here quite a long time, but you still have that sense of exclusion. There's that sense that you feel other, that you feel different or judged, um, that you don't have a place at the table. And you, maybe you're not a tax collector or a prostitute, but that's not the point. The point is that those were the people that were rejected in Jesus' day and he welcomed them with open arms. And the, the series we just finished, the one before this, was called The Face of God. And, and we talked so much about how when we see Jesus, we see God. We see what God is like. And here we see a God who welcomes all people with open arms. And, and don't hear me wrong, I, I, there's, a, there's a place for submitting to Jesus, for committing to follow him. And, and in that process, we will be shaped into his likeness, we'll become more of who we were created to be. But do know this, that whatever your beliefs, 
whether your race, your sexuality, your political persuasion, um, whatever your status, whatever your wealth, whatever your past, you're welcome at this table. Um, And that's incredibly good news. That's the gospel that we believe in. Let's go back to the text. Uh, Verse 18, we go on, it says, all these people they've been invited, they all alike began to make excuses. See, the first said, I've just bought a field and I must go see it, please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out, please excuse me. Another one, the third one says, still another, I've just got married, so I can't come. So these excuses, are they, are they reasonable? They may sound all right, but in Jesus' time, they would have been a joke. Like the audience perhaps had got past their attention and they were laughing along because these were ridiculous excuses. They were laughing in the face of the host. And it's interesting just to like zoom in on each one of them. Um, the first one, this guy's bought a field, right? And in that context, you, you would have assessed the agri- agricultural potential of a piece of land before you even thought about buying it. You'd have, you'd have looked how many springs or wells or stone walls or trees are there on this bit of land. You'd have known it like the back of your hand. You'd have known the potential rainfall, the sunlight. Um, I mean, it's the equivalent of uh, somebody saying, yeah, I just heard about this three bed in Bethnal Green. It was going for 500 grand and I just called up and I bought it. And you'd be like, what? You didn't even see it. Like, what, what condition is the roof in or the foundation? What's the surrounding area like? Um, it would be absolutely daft, wouldn't it? And then there's this guy... And he's bought five pairs of oxen. Like a pair of oxen pulls a yoke and you'd have to know, before you even begun negotiating a price, you'd have to know, like, are they strong? Do they pull together in a line or do they just wander off to the other side of the field? Um, It's like going and uh, and buying five used cars and then going down the dealership and saying, what make and model and uh, age are all these cars? And do they start? Do they even work? And it's just laughable. And the third guy um, is a strange excuse, isn't it? He's just got married and obviously it wasn't that day because the village couldn't have coped with two banquets in one day. And so he's known in advance and he's accepted the invite. He knew. And, and a few scholars, they, they say that essentially what he's saying is, yeah, I know I did say I would come, but essentially I'm just enjoying a good time with my new wife, if you get my drift. So it's like <laughs> really offensive. The thing is, all these people, they were invited. The banquet was ready, but at the crucial moment, they missed it. They missed out. Um, Remember that guy, he's trying to break the ice. What does he say? Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, yeah, you admire the vision of the messianic banquet, but it's actually happening right now in in your midst, and you're missing out on it. Um, You're doing the equivalent of laughing in the face of the host. How is that? See, the characters in the story, they'd misplaced their priorities, hadn't they? They'd, they'd placed um, the, the land, the oxen, even sex, in, in, in place of their relationship with the host. And, and then the, the people that are surrounding this table with Jesus, they've done the same thing. They are um, placing greater importance in their own status, in who's in and out of this banquet in front of the relationship with, with, with a God who had actually invited them to the banquet in the first place. And, and as a result of neglecting their relationship with God, they were rene- re- neglecting their relationship with others, the people around them. 
So the challenge here, and it's quite hard to hear probably, it was for me, is um, where are we missing out on the banquet due to our misplaced priorities? And um, John mentioned we're off to Devon, which is super exciting, but um, we've had like such a brilliant eight years at this church and learned so much and have been so blessed by it. And on reflecting back over, the, over that time, just um, in preparing for this, just asking the question, when have I most felt a part of God's church celebrating this meal with others? And here's a few memories. Um, like hanging out with people that are just nothing like me at Soul in the City, inviting them to church. Um, praying with those that are crippled by problem debt and on cat visits, just sitting in their home and praying with them. Um, inviting my barber to church and, and seeing him come back to faith. Um, worshipping next to my friend Paul on his first visit back to church after like the, this alpha course that he'd done. Um, befriending guys that are sleeping on the street near my home and eating with them and getting to know them, helping them to find work and housing. Um, the common thread through all these are like, these are the moments when I was able to invite others to this banquet, um, to invite them to the life that's on offer in Jesus. Um, but we're all like, we just struggle with it, don't we? It's so easy to drift into a, a Christian bubble of comfort. Um, to, for me, it's like I place importance in what I do and what others think of me. Um, in almost trying to like seize my own place at this table rather than inviting others to it. So I think for Jen and I, like as we move to Devon, here's a chance for us to, to recalibrate, to intentionally share who we are and, and what we have with those around us that aren't like us. Um, those that don't yet know that they're invited to this table. And our vision as a church is to recklessly give ourselves away to God, to each other and the people of King's Cross and beyond. It's a beautiful vision. But often when I pause and I look at my own life, it lacks sacrifice and it lacks recklessness. Sometimes it just sort of makes sense. And um, the challenge here is for us to live in such a way that by both word and deed, we lay a table for others to join the banquet, to find belonging in God's diverse but unified church. So let's finish this story then. Verse 21. The servant comes back and he reported this, all these um, excuses to his master. The owner of the house becomes angry and he orders the servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. There's that phrase again. Sir, the servant has said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. So um, there's two things here. One is like we just see the, the heart of this host to fill this banquet, to invite those that have been rejected. But the other is that the servant's been asked to do this thing. He's already cracked on and done it. And I love this because his heart is so in line with the, the heart of his host, um, the, heart, the father heart of God, that, that he's just gone and used his initiative. He's cracked on and he's gone out and he's invited everyone. It's beautiful. Let's do a quick recap then. What have we learned from Jesus so far? I think the first thing is that Jesus wants you to know that whatever your experience of exclusion, you're invited to this table. This banquet is open for all. The second thing is that you know, we're called to um, honour this invite, to work for a community that does welcome all. Um, 
The third thing is that we're called to be like the servant, so in tune with the heart of his master that he's cracking on and he's invited all those that would have been rejected before he's even been asked to do it. I want to just tell you a quick story about uh, Lydia Everett at KXC, a shout out to her. Um, we met a few months back and um, she just explained to me this beautiful vision she had for like running an alpha course at her big company that she works at. Um, and then COVID happened since then and lockdown happened and she's just gone ahead with it anyway. Um, she has, uh, she had to sort of go through a whole process and get approval from some of the most senior people in Europe in her company. Um, and, and there was this point she said to me, which is like, uh, yeah, she was trying to get the invite to this alpha course down on the company newsletter. And what actually happened in the end was the person who was meant to do that instead just sent a company-wide uh, calendar invite to everybody. So it went out to a thousand people. And she's there like, oh no, what has happened? Uh, She's then, um, I guess, anticipating that that could well have caused offence and could well um, have upset and created this tense atmosphere. But I, was, I spoke to her earlier this week and it was just amazing to hear how she has just um, been met with nothing but encouragement. Um, such a, a big group of people are just so positive that this is happening in their workplace. Um, there's 18 people that have signed up and joined the course. It's bigger than the KXE course. Um, <laughs> And they're going on this beautiful journey. They've got, the, they've got execs and partners. They've got people there that have literally just walked through the door of the company. And they're going on this amazing journey together. And it was cool to hear how, um, yeah, Lydia was just saying, like, having stepped out of her comfort zone, she's felt God back her the whole way. Um, give her the confidence to run these calls with like real senior people on it. Uh, giving her the words to say. Um, it's just brilliant. And, and the other thing... Yeah, that she said was actually she just now feels so much more fulfilled at her work. Like she's in a place where God's called her to be and is using her. Um, so shout out to Lydia. And I wanted to say that if, if you're out there and you're like, actually, I'd love to run an Alpha course in my workplace, in my community, wherever it is with your family, we'd love, you, we'd love to support you in it. Um, drop us a line. We'd love to pray for you to chat it through. Um, so the email is uh, alpha at kxe.org.uk. And then the other thing is like we're, we're starting an Alpha course in September. Um, yeah, with our church, probably not as good as Lydia's one. But... Um, it's kicking off on the 15th of September. It's a Tuesday. It'll run for nine weeks. This is our third online course, and it's really fun. So um, do join in. It's like kxc.org.uk forward slash alpha. You can sign up. But also, this is saying this to our church. Let's go big on the invite. Let's invite our friends and our family and our neighbours, but not just them. Let's invite the people that we had thought would never get a seat at the table of this banquet. Let's see what God does. And let's finish here, verse 23, the last one, penultimate one actually. Uh, the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. And this is really interesting because although Jesus' ministry is focused on reaching the Jewish people, most commentators would say in, in this moment what, what he's saying is he's setting an expectation for his disciples to go bigger, to go wider, to go to the non-Jews. Um, so what he said is like those uh, imperfect Jews that you rejected, they're in. And, and those Gentiles that you hadn't even thought about yet, they're in as well. And the story sort of ends on a bit of a cliffhanger, doesn't it? The parable, because we don't know if those from in the highways and the hedges, they actually make it to the party. We're told there's still room. 
Um, and in a sense, Jesus' ministry ends on a cliffhanger because he's resurrected. He meets his disciples and he gives them authority. And what does he say in that famous verse? Go and make disciples of all nations, of everyone. Um, and yeah, in a sense, it's not a cliffhanger, is it? Because the story continues. We're still here 2,000 years later. And that calling still stands with us. The, the banquet is um, it's still ready. Um, we're still called to welcome people to it. We're still called to lay the table for those that have been rejected. That's the challenge for us.